0: Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Since 1998, the Kennedy Center has honored the nation's best comedians with the annual Mark Twain Prize for American Humor. I spoke with the award's creator, Cappy Magar, who releases a new book today called The Man Who Made Mark Twain Famous. You'll hear hilarious stories of Bill Murray and Eddie Murphy in the White House and a touching story of Carl Reiner's brother in the Oval Office.
1: Cappy Magar and the book is called The Man Who Made Mark Twain Famous, stories from the Kennedy Center, the White House, and other comedy venues.
0: And uh, that book, of course, is about the Mark Twain Prize. Uh, This is the... Legend himself who invented it, this awesome annual ceremony at the Kennedy Center, um, among other things. Uh, but the book comes out on September 28th. So we wanted to catch up with you. Hey, thanks so much for joining us, Kathy Thank you, Jason. Now, uh, give us before we get to, to the, the Twain Prize, give us a sense of sort of, you know, who you are. Who, do you live in D.C.? Have you grown up here your whole life? Or, or you know, how, how did you get involved with the Kennedy Center in the first place?
1: Uh, President Carter appointed my mother-in-law, Annette Strauss, who happened to be actually the first woman, first Jewish mayor of, uh, of Dallas. And uh, so she would take me to the Kennedy Center and take me to the Kennedy Center Honors and the, the all of the things and festivities of the Kennedy Center. And so that's how I got to be uh, interested in the Kennedy Center. And I was uh, very close with President uh, Clinton, and he was nice enough to pull me to the Kennedy Center in the mid-90s. And I'll also say that I am not the person who started the Mark Twain Prize. I am a co-creator. The as, as if any success, there's a lot of fathers and mothers who, uh, who made the, the Mark Twain Prize uh, uh, successful, but it, it was an uphill road. It was difficult at the very beginning, but uh, it has been a, a spectacular thing for the Kennedy Center for sure.
0: So who are some of those co-creators that we should highlight so that they get their proper due here in this interview?
1: (laughs) Well, the, uh, it really started in the, in the white house. The, uh, there there's a guy named uh, John Schreiber and Mark Krantz and uh, Murray Horowitz. And they had lunch, uh, with the uh, white house social secretary and stock in the white house mess. And they wanted to do a comedy show at the white house. And she said, look, I'm, I'm going to the Kennedy center. Uh, the white house is really not set up for that. And so, uh, Ann Stock took it to the Kennedy Center, and uh, I had done uh, a radio program and uh, and some stand-up comedy in college. And so the president of the Kennedy Center knew it was actually it was during a board meeting of the Kennedy Center. So he said, "Look, can you come to this meeting early in, in the uh, in the morning to discuss this a new comedy show?" And at that time, Peter Kaminsky joined us, and he had, was a writer for. Uh, the national lampoon and later on his brother who had done some television shows and some comedy shows bob kaminsky joined uh, the team later so that's really kind of how it started uh, uh larry wilker who was the president of kennedy center uh green lit the show and um and that that's really how it got started
0: i love it and there's been so many great folks honored over the years um do you have any particular um, memory? Because I, I have a cool, a couple anecdotes of you know, off-stage stuff, behind the scenes, you know, at the White House and stuff. Questions I want to ask you here, some highlights. But as before, we get to that in terms of the actual ceremony. Do you have any memories of, of when someone just? I mean, I'm sure everyone that walks in, it's like, oh my god, I can't believe they're here. <laughs> but do you have any of uh, particular favorites of the actual ceremony itself?
1: You know, I do. Uh, there, there's a wonderful. Uh, Accepted speech by Will Farrell and we had probably 15 or maybe maybe 20 ceramic uh, versions of the Mark Twain bust which is a bronze bust and it's quite heavy and so he came out on stage as we announced the winner of the, you know please welcome Will Farrell and he and he went to pick up the ceramic version of the twain and he accidentally dropped it and it shattered into a thousand pieces Oh no! i mean he he put kind of all the pieces on the put on the on the pedestal and then put mark twain's broken head on top of the pedestal and he goes i'm going to treasure this forever i'm going to get it a, a, a seat on the plane back i'll, I'll never let anyone touch this ever again i mean it was, it was really one of the funniest things uh you know but I always remember uh, Jonathan Winters, uh, who was one of my favorite uh, comedians, and he um, <laughs> he was at rehearsal and they gave him the X, the mark to set on. And it was a closed rehearsal. There's probably I don't know ten or people, maybe a little bit more than that in the in the concert hall at the Kennedy Center. And he he started doing routines. He did every great routine ever. I mean, you know, the baseball routine. He uh, it, it just was wonderful, Jonathan Winters ad-libs and 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 the old routines and the next night when he accepted the twain uh he got very emotional and very appreciative and uh he ended up being funny at the end but it was more a a a gracious uh very emotional acceptance speech by by the brilliantly funny uh, jonathan waters
0: wow thanks for those stories and i had no idea about the 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 twain prize statue shattering there that time you know they're the comedians try to have us in pieces but <laughs> that literally happened um and i remember uh speaking to the statue one of my favorites of that i mean at least that i was actually attending was was bill murray took it and and handed the prize uh the st- little statuette out to the audience and everyone passed it around i mean there's just so many great moments but he um, did I,
1: I i love the bill murray uh, uh twain uh uh, he wrote me a very nice blurb for my book, and uh, he's he's truly a, a an exceptional exceptional human being.
0: Oh yeah, I think I think he took a baseball and threw it down the red carpet when we were covering it. Like you never know what he's gonna do, <laughs> but. Speaking yeah. of him, that's a good, that's a good segue. I, you know, I know your book is going to have some cool um, anecdotes of things that happen behind the scenes in, in preparation for these ceremonies. Um, So speaking of Bill Murray, didn't you, um weren't you there or uh, seeing him putting, you know, that he's a Caddyshack alum. So he actually had a, a golf putter in the Oval Office. Explain.
1: Well, I met him at the Four Seasons. That's where he was staying. And, and uh, he said, Hey, let's go up to the room and let, let me change clothes. So, he, he changed clothes and he put on this Cubs jacket because the Cubs were in the World Series. And if if, if you probably know uh, President Obama's a White Sox fan. And he goes, hey, listen, Cappy, is this appropriate? I mean, I was a coat and tie. I mean, I looked so unbelievably uh, fancy. It was sickening. And and he goes, uh, I said, Bill, you know, you're Bill Murray. You can wear whatever you want to the Oval Office. You can wear that Cubs jacket. So uh, the, the, the White House had called me about a week before we, I took him to the White House and said, would Bill do a uh, PSA ad for the Affordable Health Care Act or Obamacare? And I said, uh, let me ask him. So he said, well, sure. He said, but I absolutely want to be ad lib. I don't want any scripts at all. So we were in the cabinet room waiting to meet the president. And this young kid comes in and says, uh, Mr. Murray, here's your script. And <laughs> Bill looked at me, he goes, "Cappy, I said, no script. And I turned to the to the, to the aide, and I said, uh, Bill Murray's not gonna do a script. That was not the agreement, he'll ad lib. And I said, I said, I know the president who's a great ad libber as well. So let's just ad lib. He said, okay, I'll be right back. So he came back and he goes, yeah, that's fine. So we walk <laughs> in, uh, we do some uh, Twain stuff. The president, uh, we have a photo op with the Mark Twain prize bronze statue. And, and then we get to the putting in the Oval Office. And that was a contest to talk about the Affordable Health Care Act and so the Wade comes in gives bill a putter the president has his putter and Bills they put down paper cups in the Oval Office and uh, bill says no 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 I'm not going to put in a, a put in a paper cup you, you need to have the Dean does anybody you, you need to have a glass cup so the president says do we have a glass cup here at the in the in the Oval Office and so they run back in and put a glass cup uh, cup in there, and so the president says, "Hey Bill, what about a dollar a hole?" He says, "You're on." And so uh, Bill, <laughs> Bill starts limping around, and the president says, uh, uh, "You okay? Says, oh, well, you know, my hip or my leg or uh, is kind of hurting." He goes, uh, "Well, do you have insurance?" He said, "You don't know. Uh, you know, I don't have insurance." Well, and now Bill's putting in uh, the ball, and it clinks. Uh, he gets the first one in. The president then puts. He just totally misses the the cup totally, uh, and they keep putting during the time they're having this conversation. <laughs> and so the president said, well, you know, you can go to the affordable, you know the website, the Affordable Health Care Act, and get healthcare." And he goes, and Bill goes something like, "Well, does it cover mental uh, issues as well?" And the president says, "Well, yes, of course, it covers all that." So the long story short, uh, Bill gets five in a row in the cup, and the president gets zip. Oh. So we're walking out of the Oval Office. The president turns to me and goes. Cappy, do you play golf? I said, Well, I do, not very well, but sure. And he said, You know, do you ever bet? And I said, Well, sometimes. He said, Well, you know, you have to pay up every time you in, you know, in 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 the game. I said, Yes, sir. So he turns to his aide and he goes, Hey, do you have five dollars? Owe oh, it to Bill. <laughs> <So> <laughs> he, he gets the five dollars. I said, Mr. President, can I take a picture of that? He, he goes, Of course not. Uh, but anyway, then the president gave us uh, gave me a putter and said, hey, you and Bill go putt on the Eisenhower Green right outside the Oval Office. And we did that. And it, it was just, I mean, it, the one thing about Bill Murray, we walked through the house. We, we had a tour uh, later on in the afternoon. We walked through the house and Bill Murray stopped and shake, shook everyone's hand, uh, whether it be a, a, a secret service or we went to the kitchen. He shaked every single chef's hand, waiter's hand. I mean, he he wow. truly is such an incredibly, wonderfully nice person. Wow, that's great.
0: And I had no idea that he, he won five bucks off President Obama. In, it had to be glass, glass holes there, glass cat, cat uh, glasses. Well, when, a- when we
1: first walked in, he goes, you know, I don't let anybody in the Oval Office. It's a Cub fan. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, he said, you know, I'm a White Sox fan. And, and as you know, Jason, the Cubs went on to win the World Series. So Bill was very happy about that.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was that it was back when they, they were finally trying to put that, you know, that curse behind them. And that was back then. Yeah, exactly. um, wow. Well, very cool. You were in the Oval Office with Cinderella boy tears in his eyes, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. Uh, well, speaking of president Obama, didn't you also facilitate the meeting between him and uh, Eddie Murphy? God, another, another legend.
1: I did. Uh, Eddie, Eddie came into the Oval Office and, uh, uh, the president says to Eddie, Eddie, you and I are the same age. You have no gray hair. And I got a lot of gray hair. And Eddie looked at the president and said, well, Mr. President, you're a very powerful guy, the most powerful person in the world. you you're, you got a stressful job. And all I do is make people laugh. So the president looked at me and said, Cappy, I'm funny, aren't I? <laughs> and like anyone in A late night talk show has has asked uh, if if they've read any of President Obama's books. The immediate question is, of course. And so when the president said, "Am I funny?" I said, "Yes, Mr. President, you're very very funny." And he goes, "And I've got good timing too." And I, I said, Yeah, Mr. President, you have perfect timing." <laughs> and and so uh, we went into the uh, he, he actually got a, an aide to take us into the Situation Room and all these young kids. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Uh, it, it's like everything you see in every single movie of the Situation Room. They've got screens everywhere. And when Eddie Murphy walked into the room, they all stood up and Eddie Murphy said, sit down, please. Well, I don't want the you know the world to be you know, to be more dangerous. So they went <laughs> to take the picture and Eddie took his picture with every single person in that Situation Room. And then later on, uh, that afternoon, we, uh, I took Eddie and his family uh, to a tour of the White House, the, 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 you know, the, the uh, first floor of the White House, which everyone uh, knows and is familiar with. And so he's standing in front of the Ronald Reagan portrait, and I used to do impressions uh, uh, in my radio program days. And so he's looking up at this Ronald Reagan uh, painting, and I go, well, Eddie, welcome to the White House. Mommy and I are glad to have you here. <laughs> Just enjoy yourself. He turns around. He goes, "That's a good Reagan." He goes, "Do you do anymore?" I said, "Well, I do Carter." This is right, actually, before the Clinton uh, Trump uh, election in November.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so he says, uh, "I said, well, I do Carter." He goes, "Well, Carter was one of my very first impressions. He does a perfect Carter, so much better than mine." He <laughs> said, "Let me hear your Carter." I go, "Well, the White House is a great example for Habitat for Humanity." And he goes, "Well, you know that. You know that, that's pretty good." He said, "Do you do anymore?" I said, "Well, I'll do Clinton." I, I went, "Let me hear." It. Uh, I, look I hope Hillary wins I'll, I'll be interviewing well never mind Uh so that was the Eddie Murphy we had a wonderful time and Eddie is such a again in person Eddie Murphy is just a wonderful nice person
0: wow you got to do an impression off with Eddie Murphy with the White House sure. portraits that's amazing sure. it was now fun I- I know it doesn't always go so smoothly. Uh, didn't you have to argue with the secret service a little bit to let uh, Paul McCartney's bodyguard into the white house?
1: <laughs> uh, yes. The, uh, we, th- there, there are four uh, executive producers. We did, I, I did seven white house shows. Uh, four of those were the Gershwin prize for a popular song that we did with the library of Congress and Paul McCartney did win the Gershwin prize. Uh, and so he, he, travels with a bodyguard with a, you know, the bodyguards packing heat. He's got a gun because obviously with what happened to John Lennon and, and, and he, even George Harrison, uh, you know, obviously there's some, and he is one of the most famous people in the world. And so he came into the white he he's trying to get in the white house. And, and, uh, the secret service said, no, you cannot bring a gun into the white house. All right. And so he was not led into the white house. The, the, the uh, the guard was not. And so, uh, the producer another producer which will go unnamed and uh he, he put the bodyguard into the production staff so the production staff could get to the white house well the secret service are not dummies and so <laughs> they uh saw that the former bodyguard was now on the production staff and so uh i got a call from the uh from from paul mccartney's uh worldwide manager and he said uh you know, Cappy, uh, if 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 and the Secret Service said he cannot come in the White House, the 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 uh, the, the uh, McCartney's uh, protector guard. And he goes. If the guard, if 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 his bodyguard cannot come to the White House, Paul McCartney's not going to come do the concert now, I, th- you know, that was a threat that I knew was never going to happen, but obviously. McCartney was very upset, and the whole McCartney team was very upset. So I called uh, Juliana Smoot, who was the uh, White House Social Secretary, who's a longtime friend of mine, and I said, Juliana, we got a we got a problem. Uh, McCartney's not coming to the White House because of his bodyguard's not not in." And I told her the problem with trying to put him in production and with the bodyguard's name in production, and, and the Secret Service got mad. So the head of the Secret Service and and me and uh, and Juliana, we met in the east room of the White House around four o'clock that day. And I just I was pleading. I said, you know, it was a mistake. He said, well, you know, the, your your uh, co-executive producers put him in production. I apologized. I was just sucking up until my cheeks met. And uh, the <laughs> McCart- yeah. M- M- McCartney's uh, uh, worldwide manager was ro- right off to the side of this conversation. He said, he said, Cappy. Uh, well, We're going to let him in, but if he acts like a bodyguard, we will restrict him from every single uh, uh, building and institution or public public building in, in the in the country. And he went on and went on and went on about all the threats about the bodyguard if he acted like a bodyguard. And so I said, yes, if you just you know give us a chance, he he, he will come as a guest and he will not act as a bodyguard. And he goes, okay, I'm I'm I, you know. I'm taking you at your word and so we finally finally it came on came off without a, without a hitch and obviously having Paul McCartney and Barack Obama the two biggest you know uh, stars in, in the universe it was quite a show I mean you know Paul McCartney doing the nana nana nanas in the in the east room of the White House was was one of the great moments of uh, of of any of the shows I ever did at the White House
0: oh you'll remember that one forever for sure well, that's a great story. Thanks for sharing that. Um, and, uh, you know, speaking of security, um, you know, sadly, the the security around the U.S. Capitol is, you know, after, after January 6th, that's a whole different ballgame now. It's, a, it's a, so tragic stuff, troubling in many ways. Um, but you had a good a, a sort of a heartwarming story uh, with security at the U S Capitol regarding um, one of the security guards was talking about how Eddie Vetter saved his life. He was telling you that, tell me that story. Uh,
1: well, one of the uh, McCartney let's go back to the McCartney uh, rehearsal at the white house. There was sure. a, 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 a guy that was there and it was a closed rehearsal. So I went up to him. And I said, you can't be here. And he goes, really? I said, yeah, this is a closed rehearsal. He said, well, I'm with the secret service. (laughs) I said, said, Oh, okay. Well you can stay here. Well, his name was Mike Lotus and Mike and I got to actually become friends. And so uh, when we honored David Letterman, David Letterman, one of his very favorite uh, uh, musicians is, is Eddie Vedder uh, Mm -hmm. Pearl Jam for those, Oh yeah.
0: He's had Letterman's had Pearl Jam on, on a bunch over the years. Definitely.
1: Absolutely many times. And so, uh, so, so Mike Lotus calls me and says, "Hey, listen, I've got uh, uh, Eddie and his wife Jill uh, for dinner the night before." So we went to Cafe Milano and we were having uh, we were having dinner and and Mike says, "Listen, I've got a tour of the Capitol. They had just opened the very top of the Capitol, and I can't remember what you call it, but it's a, a, probably some a word that I can't pronounce." But so he said, "The, ro- the bit- rotunda or the no, it's the, the dome. The, the Tholes, it's way up the very top of the dome." They had had been under construction for many, many years, and they had just opened it up. And he said, listen, I've got a security guard that will take us up to the top of the Capitol now that it's open. And so we we all said, of course. So obviously, when you're a rock star like Eddie Vedder and you go through uh, the, the, the public spaces of the Capitol, I mean, there's flashes going off and people taking pictures. So the security guard takes us up to the very top we have all of our pictures taken uh, with with Eddie and Jill and all of the all of the Vetter team. And the big security guard—I mean, he is big. He is a big, big man. I mean, he's probably six-five or six-six, and and I mean, he, he's a huge. Show—I mean, he's a big guy. So he comes up to me. He says, "Mr. McGar, uh, I'd like to say something to Mr. Vetter." And I said, "Well, he's right here." And please, my name is Cappy, and this is Eddie. And so he looks at he looks at Eddie. And he goes, you know, I've had, uh, I've been to 35 of your concerts, more than 35 of your concerts. I said, you know, it was a very difficult, I had a very difficult time in my life. And thank you for saving my life. Your music and your words helped me through a very, very difficult time. And I mean, I'm tearing up. Jill's tearing up. Eddie Vetter's tearing up. Eddie gives him a huge hug. He says, you know, you can come to every one of my concerts as many as you want. And you come and come back to the green room. And yes, he said, I really appreciate you giving me this tour and I appreciate your kind words. I mean, it was very, very moving. Uh, And and there's some other moving things. I don't know, uh, Jason, you have time, but one of the other moving moments of the Twain has got to be when Carl Reiner won the the Mark Twain Prize. his his brother, Charlie, uh, was uh, dying of cancer. He actually, I think he died after this white house meet maybe a, a month or two, maybe three months after this. But anyway, we were all in the, we were all in the, uh, in the cabinet room, uh, Mary Tyler Moore, Dick Van Dyke, uh, Jerry Seinfeld, his, his wife who was pregnant, Rob Reiner, uh, you know, and all the wives. And we, uh, so we went in and Carl said, look, I'd like to Charlie was in a wheelchair and had oxygen in his nose. And he goes, uh, I'd like to I'd like to uh, have Charlie go first, because I don't know how long his energy is going to hold up. And I said, well, of course. And so the White House Social Secretary said, "Cappy, you be there first introduce the president. He's going to know most of the famous, he got all the famous people, but he's studied the list and but just be there to help facilitate the introductions. I said, of course. So I went in first. Uh, president Clinton I said hello. And Carl takes Charlie in his wheelchair, He obviously takes the plastic out of his nose. And I said, Mr. President, this is Charlie. And the president kind of put his hand on my shoulder and said, Cappy, you don't have to introduce me to Charlie Reiner. The President Clinton gets on his knees, grabs Charlie's hands and says, I've had a lot of important people in the Oval Office before, but not near as important as you, Charlie. You were in that, the invasion of Normandy beach. And he went and president Clinton had the details of what Charlie had done that day. Oh, Normandy. He said, you, wow. And at the beach in Normandy. And he said, you made America safe. He said, I just am so honored to meet you. I mean, uh, once again, we're all just in tears, uh, but that's president Clinton. He just did it. I mean, he knew he did his homework, but he knew that he had somebody like Charlie Reiner coming into the Oval Office. It was, it was, it was incredible. It was wonderful. Uh, anyway, then we had, uh, then everybody kind of let, we had the photo op after everybody got their pictures made with the president and I was carrying the bronze, which is a very big, heavy, as i mentioned to you, uh, of, bar, of Mark Twain. And uh, I was on the president's right-hand side, uh, Carl was on his left-hand side and I give uh, the president uh, the, the bronze uh, statue and he looks at it and he goes, wow, I, you know, I, I really wish Mark Twain was alive today. Ulysses S. Grant was dying of throat cancer, and he had Twain in his office and said, you know, I want you to write my memoir. He said, I'm I'm, I'm gonna, I'm dying, and I, I, I'm broke. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. <laughs> so he said, I'd like to, uh, you know, I'd like for you to write it. And Twain said, no, Mr. President, I want you to write your memoir in longhand, and I'll come and edit it. It actually became a bestseller. President Grant, of course, died of cancer, and his family was well taken care of, and so when the New York Times reviewed President Clinton's book, President Clinton incidentally wrote his. He said, "I'm going to do the same thing that uh, Twain said to Grant." He said, "Up, oh, he wrote it, He wrote it in longhand." So the New York Times, when they were giving a review of the uh, a review of the of the book, said, "There's two of the best presidential memoirs in history: Ulysses S. Grant and Bill Clinton," and I just know Clinton obviously was having a big smile in the reference to in his reference to Twain.
0: Wow. That is I had no idea that Twain himself was editing Grant's biography. That's Wow. The history you've been around and then the stories that have come of that and then Carl Reiner's brother with I didn't even know his brother, you know, was in the D-Day invasion. and, And then the gosh, wow. What 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 great stories um well that's why you got to read the book folks there's it's packed with them right so um but real quick um while we have you on here i know our listeners you know every year we we highlight the mark twain prize and you know sadly with with covid i guess we haven't had one since dave Chappelle in 2019 which which was hilarious by the way Um, thank you but uh god love Chappelle. but um who? How does the decision process go into cho- choosing who's going to get it? Because obviously there's obviously they have to be living. Obviously, I assume they have to be an American humor. So that might rule out. Some, I don't know, maybe like a Jim Carrey or some Canadian or something. But um, who who coming up next? Do you I know, I know you don't know spoilers, but. Who do you think is in, let's say, the short list, the conversation of people who who haven't got it? Because for me, I mean, Mel Brooks, before he passes, we gotta, or Jerry Seinfeld. What he he was actually on the red carpet at the Kennedy Center and told me to my face. He said, "I don't know what I gotta do to get that prize." <laughs> or hey, Chris Chris Rock. We got Melissa McCarthy, John Stewart. There's so many, but Adam Sandler. You know who 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 on your list is like, wow, we gotta get them in there.
1: Uh, Jason, uh, just one correction that you made, we, we unfortunately, uh, when we uh, 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 gave, announced that we were giving the prize to George Carlin, uh, he passed away uh, actually a week later of a heart wow. attack, and so we did honor him posthumously, which, which was a wonderful, wonderful night at the Kennedy Center, but your list is, I mean, there is a list of, of potential Twain recipients, and uh, the, the, the chairman of the Kennedy Center, David Rubenstein, uh, the president, uh, Deborah Rutter, myself, uh, come up with that list. There's others in, in, that work at the Kennedy Center. Uh, there's a guy by the name of Matthew Weiner who does a terrific job, uh, you know, getting the list together for all of us. And then the executive committee approves the, uh, the honoree. But your, your list is is my list is really really pr- pretty much everybody's list uh yeah. mel brooks has turned us down three times uh, oh so you whole, have
0: offered it to him
1: i have offered it to him I, the white well that that got away and i'm not talking about herman mel- melville prize <laughs> uh it, it's it's you know why,
0: why on earth would he turn you down just like a selfless it, thing or doesn't want the attention because he's he's come to the kennedy center and done a i've saw him he did like a blazing saddle screening a couple years ago
1: he did and, and Deborah Rutter. And I will always be so appreciative of, of Deborah, who's the president of the Kennedy Center, calls me and says, hey, Cappy, would you like to have dinner with Mel Brooks? And I went, well, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and so I'm, I'm at a, a, a dinner in Washington the week before I was coming to, back to Washington to have dinner with Mel Brooks. And I see David Rubenstein and David said, hey, listen, let's get together. When are you coming back up next? I said, so well, I'm coming back up. I think it was a Thursday. I can't remember. And he said, well, why are you coming up? And I said, well, because I'm going to I'm going to have dinner with Mel Brooks and Mel Brooks is going to, you know, talk about the making of Blazing Saddles after everyone sees it. And he goes, well, I'd like to come. I said, well, David, I I know the chairman, so I'll have to ask him if you can come. So anyway, David and I are like kids in a candy store waiting for Mel Brooks. (laughs) And uh, Deborah Rutter comes, you know, just very lax of basically coming along and said, hey, let's go to the green room. In Mel Brooks's contract, he had he wanted egg salad sandwiches, di- uh, a, a diet coke, not real coke, real laced potato chips, and a bag of Oreo cookies. That was, I think, in his contract. And so the four of us are having dinner with Mel Brooks in the green room. And Mel Brooks comes in. I mean, Jason, I have met some you know great people, funny people, but for some reason I just love Mel Brooks and I was a touch intimidated by him. Right. So he's sitting on the couch, he's eating an egg salad sandwich and I'm not going to go through what a number six is in Blazing Saddles, You're, you and your viewers. You, I know you know, Jason. It's when we music.
0: come a riding into
1: town. That's right, that's exactly right. And I said, you know, Mel, we've, we've asked you uh, two or three times take the, the Mark Twain prize and you've turned us down every time. And he said, yeah, yeah, I know. And I, 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 I kind of need to think about that. And I said, well, why don't we do the music of Mel Brooks? you know, high anxiety, uh, springtime for Hitler. I mean, I'm so tired. I mean, he's just got some of the great songs he's written over all these movies. He said, well, that's interesting. No, one's really kind of done that. He said, I, I might do that. I said, look, Mel, if you don't, if you say no, I'm going to have to do a number six on you. <laughs> and he laughed so hard. I think I got some egg salad sandwich on my coat.
0: That's great. Uh,
1: so, uh, but no, I mean, he, uh, You know, he's two weeks later, he turned us down again. So, yes, Ah. Mel Brooks is the is the is is truly one of the people that 100 percent deserves the Mark Twain Prize.
0: Wow. So we never did the music of Mel Brooks either. No, we didn't. Wow.
1: Uh, he's 95 in, uh, this last summer and and that's why' I'm, so- that's
0: why I keep saying I mean Chris Rock and Jerry Seinfeld, Melissa McCarthy they're at the top of the list for me too but but in terms of trying to get it in while he's still alive man Mel Brooks we got come on we got to convince him
1: I, I'd love to we've tried every we actually got Carl Weiner to ask him one time we got uh, wow. Elaine Wynn uh, did he say yeah.
0: why he turned it down just, no, just he doesn't want the attention I never, or?
1: I never got an explanation of, of why he said no but look. Jason, I got to meet Mel Brooks. So, you know, whether you're Twain prize or not, you know, I'm okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe has some old hacks to grind against Mark Twain. (laughs) I (laughs) I have no clues um all right well then if that's the case i didn't realize he would turned it down well then i'm gonna put my chips in on on jerry next if you can get Seinfeld or chris rock that that's my touchstones of my youth man so go go there you go or steve carell there's so many
1: there's so many there 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 are there are so many uh chris rock obviously uh jerry seinfeld uh you know it was you know it's it's is jim carrey not
0: eligible because he's canadian or
1: is he canadian, no dual you know, citizenship? No, no, no. He's definitely on the list. It's for, you know, obviously American humor and he's lived his whole, you know, pretty much all of his movies are had great impact on America. And he's, uh, he comes from a long list of of really funny and fun uh, comedians. (laughs) Awesome.
0: Well, there, there you go. That's some of my feedback. Take it for what you wish. But um, man, there's so many great ones you've honored over the years. Um, do you have the list in front of you just for posterity? Or if not, I can I can I can just paste it into the article or something. But um, well, yeah, we probably not have time to run through all of them. But um, I, I it's the book's going to be great. I, I can't wait. I really, really can't wait. And the stories you've shared in this interview alone are, are priceless. So um, we can't wait yep. for everybody to read it. So I
1: was very, thank you very much, Jason, and uh, for, for that. I, I got very lucky. Uh, Mark Erlichson, who's uh, has done over 50 New Yorker magazine covers, did the cover of my book with Mark Twain and me, uh, caricature of Mark Twain and me. And in the, the acknowledgments, I said, uh, you know, uh, I'd like to thank Mark, Mark for doing a spectacular rendition of Twain and me on the cover. After doing over 50 New Yorker magazine covers, I decided, I'm so happy, he decided to up his game and do my book. So I, I think he thinks that's funny. I hope he does.
0: <laughs> yeah. uh,
1: and then Ken Burns uh, was, is a longtime friend of mine and he was nice enough to write my forward. So I was very appreciative of that, but okay. yeah, I mean, it, the book comes out September 28th and I think it's a fun and funny read. I hope people enjoy it. It goes through every single Twain ceremony and including the white house shows and kind of the back scene uh, stuff of all the, the Twain and the, uh, in, in, in the white house and, taking all these people on the Oval Office. It's it's, it's it's been quite a ride.
0: Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time.